I'm Jakub Voigt, the CEO of Catalytic, and this is Unbundled. In this series, I help to demystify technology in the world of business. Join me as we explore how technology can make your business better. In this episode, we're chatting about proactive vulnerability management. We're chatting about what that is, which elements of your ICT environment can make you vulnerable, and how to prioritize eliminating these issues. By the end of this episode, you'll have a clearer idea of how you can sleep sounder at night knowing that you acted on the vulnerabilities in your network. I'm joined by Dristan Governor, Senior Sales Engineer from CRS. Dristan, yeah. welcome. Thanks, Jaco. We really appreciate it. So um, I'm, I'm glad we can kick off with an easy name to pronounce. Uh, <laughs> my, my previous two guests I either, either said their business name wrong or I got their title wrong. You know, those <laughs> things... I realize you might so uh, just wait if you had to say the full name of CRS, Cyber Retaliator Solutions. It's a, it's a bit of a mouthful. Retaliator, yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about uh, let's talk about that quickly. So you are at Cyber Retaliator Solutions. Yes. Um, I, I'll give us a little bit of background and what does CRS do and how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. So CRS is a cybersecurity distributor. Um, started off in the training space, actually, and we, we are actually a IBM training center. So we do IBM training, SUSE, Agile, etc. But um, predominantly, we've gone into the cybersecurity distribution space as well. Um, where we do things like vulnerability management, endpoint detection response, and a couple of other solutions that have been implemented into our stack. Um, so mainly been on the pre-sale side of things, as well as the implementation side, around a couple of projects for a couple of key clients, um, assisting resellers and really helping the market in terms of getting the cybersecurity industry um, to where I believe it should be from a partner perspective as well. Okay. And in and in you from your own personal perspective, how did you get involved in the security space? I mean, yes, you look so young, but <laughs> you're not today's child anymore. So yeah, give yeah. us a little bit of background. Yeah, most definitely. So before, I mean, I was predominantly break, fix and et cetera. Obviously, I did uh, my studies uh, and et cetera. But mainly, I, w- I was very much interested in security from the time that I left uh, college and et cetera. Um, but essentially, the main portions of what interests me in cybersecurity was really getting into the deep end with CRS. Um, we got straight into working with partners and really helping them out and even uh, going into a couple of the key projects. Unfortunately, I can't mention some of the client names, but um, there's been a couple of really large enterprises who have taken me on board to help them with their vulnerability management. And from there, it really stemmed out into taking on um, solutions like Topio, which is now called VRX, which I'm product lead for. Okay. Okay, so then let's jump straight into it. But uh, I've got to warn you, we, we're going to – don't be like that. You have to mention customer names. I want to <laughs> ask you all of the bad secrets that's out there. No, I'm just joking. All right. So when when you and I had this discussion, you used a very interesting term called proactive vulnerability management. Mm. So let's just start with vulnerability management Um how would you describe what it is? So specifically to what it is, um, we look at it as a proactive approach to identifying, to uh, prioritizing and to remediating the vulnerabilities within your environment. The reason why I focus on the, the more of the term of proactive cybersecurity is because everyone kind of focuses on reactive 
um, and what is now. But when we look at vulnerability management, you need to think of it like, think of it as your house, right? You have your house and you need to now secure your property from all the criminals that are out there. So your vulnerabilities are points like leaving the door open or having a window that has no burglar bars. These are all access points that anyone would be able to use to get into the house. That is essentially what vulnerability management is. You take a look at every weak point around your uh, your network, your computers, and etc. And you would be able to see where the weak points are, identify them, prioritize which ones are the most important to address, and remediate them in an effective way. Um, well, when you say remediate, that's basically fixing that, or making that vulnerability go away. Exactly. So... <clears throat> Um, I think, uh, and we, I want to go into sort of what the elements are that, that one can address as part of this real estate. And, and part of the reason why that's important for me is because I think the, the default sort of picture that comes in, uh, into a lot of people's minds when they think about, uh, vulnerability or security or, or, or you know, the vulnerability that you spoke about is, uh, oh, I need to have a firewall and I, and I need to have antivirus on my PCs. If I've got that in, you know, I've sort of got the burglar bars <laughs> on the windows and stuff like that. Yeah. So what are the elements that that one can address as part of vulnerability management? Yeah, so, so there's multiple aspects to it, right? You start off at a base layer when you look at things like the human element and you look at your network and et cetera. But there's specific aspects that you would look at to know that, these are areas to address. Like anything can have a vulnerability inherently. You can have a vulnerability. I can say that you have a funny nose and maybe that's your vulnerability <laughs> as an example. But um, if you, for example, look at things example, like... <laughs> if you look at things like software applications, um, they can have vulnerabilities. Things like your operating systems, third-party applications, your network infrastructure itself. They can all have uh, vulnerabilities. Your web so that's applications. like if you, if you have a Windows machine getting a Windows update mm. published or a, if you have an Apple, uh, Apple update published or yeah. whatever. Yeah, so so those would inherently be your pass, uh, your patches, right? Yes, okay. Um, and those updates are either going to be feature or security, and a lot of the times I focus on the security. I, I mainly look at things that will address the vulnerabilities in a system. Um, but it, like I said, it could be anything. And um, there even, even is in business the human aspect of it. A person can be the vulnerability in the organization. That's why you do things like cyber awareness as well. Um, you even look at things like your web applications, your websites. Uh, websites can have vulnerabilities. Your servers hosting the website, they would have their own vulnerabilities. Mobile applications, um, something that everyday users use, they have, invulner- they have vulnerabilities in them as well. And and, yeah. and and to me that that exactly is sort of where I think where some of the 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 um how do I say the prog- progression I- issues come in because like I said in the past I think a lot of people still think you know if I've got my firewall in place and I've got some form of antivirus on a, on a on a PC endpoint then it's happy days yeah. but like you say now these operating system uh, uh, like your Windows or, or Apple or Linux or something like that. Yeah. Then you've got applications like your email application or your accounting application or anything like that that can have vulnerabilities in it. Um, then, like you say, then is the human element. To me, when I listen to this and specifically, and it's it's so interesting, you know, like and and potentially because 
one is aware of it and you're uh, uh, maybe a bit more OCD around it. Mm. To me, when, a, when there's a patch that come up, come up and there's a big red one that's sitting next to, <laughs> to it and it's telling you to update it, yeah. um, I look even in, even in, in our organization, there's people that will sit with that thing there for three weeks and then I'll sit next to him and go, okay, but you see that thing there? Yeah, yeah, does, yeah. It, uh, does it not bother you? And he's, no, no, no. Okay, but you know, it, it happens for a reason because they're fixing something that they realize shouldn't be there or, 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 or there's all that you should close. Well, that's that's the thing. So that's um, also something that seems to be a major issue in a lot of organizations, right? So a lot of the clients that, we, that we've worked with they haven't met with a single group who have been able to tell me that they don't struggle with the issue of a vulnerability backlog, right? And when we talk about vulnerability backlog, it's mm -hmm. like every issue that you kind of see, it just starts building up behind the scenes because CVEs, as an example, they get published every day, right? And when we talk CVEs, it's called vulnerable, uh, common vulnerabilities and exploits or common vulnerabilities and exposures. And that's essentially what they let build up because there's a there's a lack of link between vulnerability management and patch management. Now, when it comes to vulnerability and patch management, they generally go hand in hand. But if you look at it as a organization or as a function of, um, uh, let's say, an enterprise organization, they generally have it split into IT function and security function, which becomes yes. siloed teams. And the issue with that is there's no correlation. So the vulnerabilities never get dealt with effectively because they can take three to six weeks to actually address a vulnerability. Now, if you're getting a new report every 30 days, as an example, again, it starts to build up. So what do you do in that case? And why, do, why does it build up? Is it because organizations are um, sort of too slow to deploy new patches? Do they want to test it first? Why would it... Why would it build up? So it's it's multiple methods, right? For for what I've seen, it's the lack of control around specific tools, right? So there's a lack of coordination between specific tools and there's the uh, mindset that they don't go together, right? So a lot of what uh, vulnerability management specialists uh, do in an organization is fight against the organization itself, right? And that's because um, there's no... There's no coordination around these two job roles and when we look at these two job roles they go hand in hand but you are right there needs to be testing of the patches there needs to be um there needs to be the, the testing of patches on something what we call like qa and development servers and etc and then those would go out right but we have something called patch tuesday every month generally you would put out your patches and you would have to streamline that process for something like critical patches because and, and the, uh, sorry and yeah. to interrupt you but i'm just sitting thinking about it and the bigger that patch backlog becomes the more difficult it is to catch up right? exactly exactly so that at that point it becomes discussion around tools right How, what tools are you using to coordinate your teams for once to enable collaboration but it's also the tools that you use that are currently implemented, how are you using those and the reporting from them to coordinate your whole vulnerability management process to resolve your vulnerability and patch management backlog? So, so that actually leads perfectly into my next question. So when you, when you go into, a, into a, 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 an organization, how would that organization know uh, what the sort of vulnerability state is, if you want to call it that? So 
yeah, there's going to be multiple tools that you generally would be able to to use to get through to that, right? It's kind of like what what do you know that makes you vulnerable? Like, so to just take a step back, like I mentioned, there's something called your CVEs, your common vulnerabilities and exposures. Generally, you use a scanning tool to um, to scan for all of these vulnerabilities. By preference, mine is called VRX, right? It's uh, previously known as Topia. But um, there are other tools like Nmap that you would be able to use, that generally you would uh, use. But when you're looking at this, you need to look at what those CVEs are in your environment. And these tools give you what those CVEs are for the vulnerability analyst or management specialist to go address. And and, and, um, just... Physically, what would that process is? Is it is it a lot of work, or is it a device that you put on the network and it goes and? No, it's it's, it's literally just about knowing what the architecture of your environment is, okay. and choosing the correct tools for that environment. But if it's a large, multi-branched type environment, that can tend to be then a bit more complicated. Yeah, it can. But again, it'll, it'll come down to how you are actually deploying out that tool and if it's configured correctly, which again becomes another issue all in itself when it mm-hmm. comes to enterprise organizations. Um, if it's not configured correctly and it's not seeing everything, that's when organizations suffer with visibility, right? So when they have a lack of visibility in the organization, they don't actually see vulnerabilities on key key. Um, key endpoints right so and endpoints is, and servers would you say that's the the biggest problem in in the sort of in the market that that knowing exactly what that vulnerability landscape looks like or, or the footprint or how how many vulnerabilities there are yeah exactly i i think that definitely is so i i, I know i'm not mentioning client names but there was definitely one who's a they, they're beer manufacturer, if I can put it out there. Um, but essentially, the biggest thing becomes visibility, right? Um, and it's not just them, but every other organization that I've met with after that, they've suffered with visibility of their entire environment. For example, if you have a So, so you can be doing some stuff, right? Yeah. But the, you've got a blind spot or two and... Yeah. Bad stuff still happens. You don't know why. Yeah, you miss you miss one. You kind of miss in the plotcher. You okay. you miss one, and that could be the one that the threat actors come through, right? Because in the same way that you secure your environment, it's the same way that a hacker essentially would uh, perform their reconnaissance of your environment. They would run the same vulnerability scan on your environment using their own tools. So they would check, okay, here's all of the weaknesses once they get in, right? And then from those reports and CVEs they have something called your active exploits for those vulnerabilities, which is out there. It's published exploits for the vulnerabilities that they can use to get into your environment. So that's why it's highly pertinent for you to address those vulnerabilities. It's like you say, you don't even have to be a super, super expert. I yeah. mean, people publish and say, if if somebody is running this version of application, I don't know, let's use an example, Excel or whatever, here's the following steps in order to make use of this or, or to yeah to, ex- to exploit the, the vulnerability. Exactly, exactly. But that's exactly. So once you identify them, you need to have the understanding that you need to address them. And a lot of those CVEs by the publishers, they give you ways to do it. So the vendors would either give you a patch or they would give you a script to run. 
um, something that would remediate. But if there's not those remediation actions, that's where you come in and you look at things like your overall security, right? That's when you start looking at, okay, we've got, now we need to look at reactive security and et cetera. And it's not to say that you don't look at all of these things in parallel. There are some key steps that you take before you get to the stage of proactive security. But what tends to happen is organizations focus on what is detective and what is responsive and they focus on what will happen after which is brilliant but they forget that they can actually uh, fortify their their entire organization through patch or through vulnerability and patch management okay so so we ran the tool now and I get some form of a picture as to what the state of my environment is and like you say there was a couple of blind spots I don't know I've gotten mm -hmm. back up off, off the floor after I passed out um, and now I know there's this little bathroom window that doesn't have the burglar bars on it or whatever mm -hmm. uh, how do I know where to start how do I f how do I fix this problem so the quickest wins are going to be your patches right the patches available are always going to be the quickest wins and a patch essentially is a piece of code designed specifically to address those vulnerabilities so that's always going to be the quickest win then you look at things like um, your configuration changes or manual intervention which includes things like security policy and intervention so things like addressing security policies around passwords and looking at things like network segmentation so if for example you have a critical system you don't want it directly exposed out to the internet right so you want to segment that away and put it into something like a DMZ or a demilitarized zone, right? And that's essentially what you would be able to do. You th do things like system hardening, which makes sure that you have a baseline security for any new machines, especially now that we're going into cloud. You have the prevalence of VMs that you can just spin up, right? Those need to be hardened down with, with security. Well, I mean, uh, uh, that example that you're mentioning there, that's just getting more and more difficult. I mean, mm. the, I mean, they the, uh, they're talking about putting pieces like Windows 11 or 12 or whatever into the cloud. Yeah, and, and I mean, it, I think that the the complexity is just going to keep on keep on growing. Yeah, and and the thing that is a very big misconception is that a user will not be attacked through those vulnerabilities, um, and that's where a major misconception will be because once they are in on one device they can find out everything about that person or that user and then they can social engineer their way into the organization using the employee unfortunately employees are the weakest link in any organization because they they can be manipulated where um a computer system is a little bit more difficult because there are ways to address that security. So, okay so on that note now uh, if I now have some some tool that shows me what this vulnerability landscape of, landscape of mine looks like. Uh, uh, is it, how will that play a role in terms of uh, sort of managing that human element? So for the human element itself, um, that won't scan. You, can, you know, you can't really scan someone's brain using the, the, the tool, <laughs> right? But what you would Imagine. be able to do is a cyber awareness, right? Okay. All organizations need a baseline of cyber awareness that every individual in that organization needs to be at, right? That's why you have things like, and everyone uh, seems to really dislike it, but having weekly trainings or having monthly trainings that you have to go on um, where they teach you things like having a cyber aware mindset, right? So it's things to say, when I log into my emails, 
and I see an email from my boss saying, uh, can you call me right now? Can you send me your WhatsApp message? I need to talk to you right now. And it looks completely out of format or the email address is incorrect. How do you identify that that's actually something directly targeted at you? Uh, and I'm sitting here with a massive, massively big smile now because that scenario that you're talking about there now mm. actually happened to a, a new team member of us exactly last week. Yeah, yeah. We get, get an email and it says it's from me, but the email address doesn't match. It's, I don't know, kitty101 at gmail.com or I don't know what. Yeah. Um, and then it starts... Uh, 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 it starts so innocent. Please can you send me your mobile number? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then the next minute, then, then, there's a, then there's a WhatsApp. And then it's, the WhatsApp says, please go to a, uh, can you go to Apple store? I need a voucher. Yeah. And then, you know, this is our brand new employee. So, they you know, they go, okay, well, maybe a bit weird, but, you know, yeah, I want to yeah. say no in the, in the first week. So, and so they go, and I mean, I mean, if you look at the, the, it, it, in hindsight, it looks like, yeah, but there's so many red flags that pop out, but um, it it happens in today's Well, that, that's the thing. They need to know how to identify those red flags wherever they go. Even their personal lives, I've seen multiple phishing emails. Like if you get from SARS, from NetBank, from APSA, from FNB, they use these methods to exploit you, right? Essentially, they play on your fear, your emotions. They they play on superiority. For example, their CEO messaging you and asking you for an Apple voucher. Great. It doesn't make sense, but, you know, because he's senior, I will follow that. So that's and something. They, and they do about. little things like, uh, like the WhatsApp profile that they created, which is obviously not my number, but then they take my picture that's on LinkedIn and they put it there. So now, you know, you, see, yeah. you create sort of little elements of compliance where you go, okay, right, it doesn't look right, but you want know, look at the photo, it's him, but you know, the photo is time a dozen everywhere. Yeah. Um but if 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 there was a um I'm trying to think now, I listened to this um one podcast series called um uh, Tales of the Cyber World or something like that where they specifically spoke about uh, the Bank of Bangladesh, where mm. they where they got hacked, and they they nearly stole over a hundred million dollars. Because yeah. uh, and and the way in which they got in, if I if I remember correctly, there was a something like a like an Excel exploit, or whatever. the Excel yeah. wasn't up to date, and then somehow they got in there and all that type of stuff. Exactly. If I if I have a, a this vulnerability management tool, I can't make the user. Uh, how do I say stop making unnecessary or, or, or uh, let's not call it stupid mistakes, but anyway, <laughs> there it is. Uh, but but if there if there was a vulnerability that that got executed in an application, I'm using that tool will then at least show me. Well, that's the thing. Not not every tool will. Okay. So um, that's that's my why my preference is is something like VRX, right? Um, SaaS-based, application-based solution. So it deploys straight onto the endpoints and it sees things like all of your application-based vulnerabilities. So, so, so then example, if the application starts doing something that you don't expect from, it's going to go and say, whoa. Or rather to show you the, the vulnerabilities. When you're looking at what, what you're mentioning there, when it's, when it's doing something, that's where your EDR or um, your your detection and response tools would generally kick in. Okay. When you're talking vulnerability management, you're talking before that stage happens. Before I even get to that point where they can try and exploit, I want to shut down that exploit. I want to put up my burglar bars. 
I want to put up my burglar bars so even if they break the window, they can't can't squeeze through. Okay. Essentially, that's that's where you would be looking at the vulnerability management from. And from a third-party application perspective, when you're looking at things like your Firefox or you're looking at things like your Microsoft applications, you don't always have visibility of that. Or organizations currently don't always have visibility of that, which is why it's key to have the correct tools that are able to see those types of vulnerabilities, especially database applications, right? For example, if you're looking at MySQL, SQLite, um, a lot of organizations struggle with lack of visibility around the deployed applications that handle their databases. Now, the world runs on databases. If you are not seeing those vulnerabilities, you are already at risk of being exploited for those vulnerabilities. Um, and then, so... so can you, and again, we're not naming names, but uh, if you had to look at sort of the, the, the customers that you've addressed in, in South Africa, when you do an engagement, initial engagement like that, have you, have you found any organization that's, that's got it sewn up, it's 100% bulletproof? No, and and I don't think anyone will actually be hundred percent bulletproof, mm. right? It's it's like pulling putting on a uh, a bulletproof vest and someone shooting you in your foot, right? <laughs> it's it's always something that you you cannot see. The best chance that you have is by putting up as much visibility as possible, right? So D- does organizations take this as seriously as they should? Vulnerability management, in mm-hmm. my perspective, no, right? Uh, in my perspective, a lot of organizations rely on um, what what I refer to as the, the post-exploits portion of things. So ma- mainly um, preparing for that in-between point of getting exploited and making sure it doesn't actually affect them. They focus on that gap in between, but they don't focus on the before. And a lot of the time, they don't actually focus on after because there is still a bit of a lull with regards to um, when it comes to post-exploit preparation plans, your incidents response plans, your business continuity plans, all of these things, your data backups and recovery. Um, I'm sure you, you're very well versed in that in that aspect of things. And that's where I see that the before and after is definitely where there's a lot of work to be done, especially in South Africa. Um, when we're looking at a broader landscape, we do see that there are the Americans who are more well-versed in these types of areas. Mm. And it's going to come down to the skill shortage, right? But essentially, when you're looking at these areas, vulnerability management and the post-exploitation um, processes of a business are very much lacking. Okay, and in, so we, we, we sort of went through a scenario now where we go, okay, right, uh, number one, you need visibility so you can see what your environment looks like. Mm. Then you need to find a mechanism to prioritize and say, okay, right, where do I, where do I start and how do I contain this, uh, you know, this backlog (laughs) of of mine. And then, and then I think, um, and, and something that we should always then be looking for is, is how do we, how do we then um, sort of act in a in a way that that my backlog goes away, but but th- that I then get into this proactive? Because I, I assume that's sort of what we're aiming for, right? Yeah, exactly. So for me, if it's making sure that all your tools are collaborative, right? Um, 
I'm just going to use the example of VRX, the way that it functions in terms of um, showing you what I mean by collaboration. When it comes to this platform, right, it does a discovery both on your operating system and your application. So one, your visibility is covered. Then you have the network scanning functionality. So you look at everything within your network. So your discover portion is done, right? You have visibility of everything within your environment. Then you look at prioritization. Now, like I mentioned, you have something called your CVEs, which are based off your CVSS scores, right? So when you have CVSS scores, you look at things like um, your how you prioritize. So it gives it a rating from 1 to 10 on how severe it is. Then you as an organization take that score and you need to decide, okay, from that score, how effective is this for me, right? Is it actually a critical one because I have firewalls in place, because I have this server that's uh, completely separate from the rest of the network? And okay, now I've discovered how this prioritizes. What Topia does a bit differently, or VRX rather, it uses something called contextual prioritization. So it looks at you as a business and says, okay, this is um, this is going to have a network based vulnerability or an easy to exploit application or an easy to exploit vulnerability, then you can prioritize based on that, right? So it brings that number down from 10,000 to a digestible thousand that you have to deal with in a, in a month as an example. And then from a prior, uh, from a remediation perspective, you need to be able to make sure that the tool that you're using, so in the case of uh, VRX is built into the tool, but you need to make sure that as an organization that your patch management process shows you what vulnerabilities the patches are actually going to address. Because if you have no way of tying that back, then you have no idea how you are reducing the risk, right? And one of the biggest things that I need to mention is that cyber risk is not an IT or cybersecurity related risk. And it's not something that should fall onto that risk register. It should fall onto the overall business register. It's a business risk. It's a business yes. risk. It's a business risk. Because essentially when you're looking at business risk, it's if you get a cyber attack today, you could potentially go out of business tomorrow. Yes. Because if you have to pay the ransom or if you have to lose all of that data, essentially your business could go out of business. Right? So... That is where I see that collaboration and coordination needs to fit together from the point of discovery to the point of remediation. Everything should be a consolidated function. Uh, and I love what you're saying there um, because I think a, a lot of people understand financial risk in a business. So, you know, if you if you talk to, to an accounting department, mm -hmm. they understand how to, how to look at uh, bank statements or, or how to uh, reconcile the, even the, the petty cash Thing, but when it comes to cyber, then they go, oh, no, it's technical. We don't know, uh, you, you know, it's the, it's. But that risk, uh, just because it's digital, doesn't mean somebody can't come and take your petty cash or even, or even worse, uh, get into the vault. Yeah. Um. So, Dresden, I think as a, as a, we always try and sort of make things real. Yeah. So if somebody sat down and listened to this uh, scenario and they go like, I don't know, I don't know what I'm. I'm, now I'm, I'm doubtful I'm all of a sudden tonight I'm not going to sleep that yeah, well yeah. Uh, how do you start? so where you start right so there's a couple of key aspects that you start when it comes to cybersecurity, right you need to fortify essentially you need to look at your baseline for example if you look at your home right my home example you want to put up your gates around because you know that will secure yourself 
So you look at things like you implement things like your antivirus or an EDR, right? Endpoint detection and response. You implement things like cyber awareness to make sure that everyone across the board has the same level of cyber competency, right? You look at things like your perimeter security, implementing your... Uh, sorry, and I just want to interrupt. Yeah. And that, that cyber awareness is for every, literally everybody in the organization. Exactly. Not just for certain people. Exactly. Especially management. <laughs> 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 Management especially is, is definitely uh, individuals who, who need to have that cyber awareness and there's a major lacking in, in um, certain areas as well. Um, but yeah, definitely across yeah. the board. Then you also look at things like your perimeter security. So firewalls, uh, network detection response. Um, you need to look at things like your backup and recovery, your post-exploitation plans also need to come into place, your incident response and um, your uh, post, post-breach post responses to any types of situation. And and what you're saying there, that's not just a big organization uh, reality. Yeah. Every organization is going to yeah. do that. I, and again, you know, I talk about this often, where I think there's, uh, you know, sort of small to medium enterprises go and say, oh, but you know, that's that's for the banks or for the insurance guys or whatever, you know, who's going to act us? Yeah. But you have to, and, and that thing that, you, that you're saying, you know, is so critical to me is you have to have a plan. Yeah. When yeah. something bad happens, you need to have a plan. Otherwise, the, the delay or the impact is just is just so much more severe. Exactly. The time to recover is is drastic. Like, like think about it. If you have burnout, as an example, if you take a couple of breaks here and there to fix small things, in comparison to if you had to have a burnout, then, you, then you're then you out for weeks because now you don't have a plan. You you don't have anything to help you recover from that immediately. You are going to have to take that two weeks to recover fully, right? That's the same way for a security system, right? If you don't have that plan, you don't know what you are doing, you don't know what to find, and you don't have the correct tools to do it, you are going to be out for let's say a week, two weeks, and that could result in millions lost to your business. Or for small businesses, they'll go out of business. Yes. Um, and we've seen that, especially in the COVID times when everyone was at home, there was such a lack of security around everything because a lot of organizations were not equipped for work from home environments. Even now. Yeah, not even equipped. now. <laughs> exactly. Because, I, I mean, it's like you say, I mean, the, the, the biggest fact in this whole picture is, is uh, human beings and People uh, inherently don't change easily. Yeah. From used to work, it's like you say, if the exec says, listen, I don't need cyber training, then I don't, uh, I've been doing it like this all the time. It yeah. is what it is. Exactly. Exactly. So that, that um, I, I call it uh, negligence <laughs> or the, the insider threat becomes one of negligence. And it might not be a malicious intent of anyone who opts out of cyber awareness, but Generally, when you're looking at it, it's if you don't do it and you are the person who is responsible for the cyber attack, it's down to negligence. Okay. Last, last, last question. Um, if if an uh, organization had to engage you from a, a, a Topia, what's the new word? VRX. VRX uh, <laughs> perspective. How long from time to start to getting a picture of sort of what's happening in that environment? No, I'd say give it 10 minutes. Really? Right. As soon That's as good. as soon as you deploy it onto your devices, let it run, do its uh, initial discovery. It's extremely quick. Um, you would you would have almost instant visibility of your environments, being able to see the vulnerabilities in in a couple of minutes. Um, 
even from the perspective of being able to deploy out patches and making sure that your environment is running a respectable vulnerability management process, it's it's extremely quick. Okay, excellent. Tristan, thank you very much. I feel like we have uh, a lot more to talk about, but uh, yeah, I think we'll follow up with uh, one or two programs after this. Most definitely, most definitely. Thanks, Yaku. Appreciate thank it. Thank you for uh, sharing uh, your experience from the trenches. <laughs> Thanks, Yaku. Appreciate that. Yeah, 100%. Thank you for listening to Unbundled, brought to you by Catalytic, a series that aims to demystify technology so that you can make better decisions in your business. Remember that you can listen to all of the episodes on the Cliff Central app or website. And for added convenience, you can also subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. And if you're looking for help with uh, communications tools in your business, please make sure to visit catalytic.co.za.